Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome back to Bundesliga for Beginners, the Bundesliga podcast for beginners by beginners. The clue is in the name of the show. Guests this week, same as the previous two podcasts, so that's handy if you like them. Kevin DeVries is my co-host. You'll know him from the EPL Roundtable podcast. They share the same channel as us. Jim Knight, you'll also know from his regular appearances on that show. And John McKenzie is back as our Bundesliga expert. Expert in inverted commas compared to us <laughs> clowns. So, uh, last recording was was Sunday. So before the Monday night game, which as luck would have it, involved Kev's new team by Leverkusen, or who I decided today I'm going to call by a Keverkusen, even though it's completely the wrong way to say the name. Um, what did you make of your new team? Well, firstly, I think you nailed it because my name is actually Kevin, so I think uh, <laughs> <laughs> the rhyme still works. Well, it is now. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it, I've just walked right into that. Um, yeah, I was actually uh, really pleased with uh, how Leverkusen played. It was funny when the uh, lineup was announced, and I realized that I knew more players on the bench than in the starting 11, so... Peter Bosch doing me absolutely no favors there. Um, but yeah, they, they played really well from the, from oh, the you start. Peter Bosch, I think you mean Stanley Tucci. He's I did. You're right. Thank you for catching me. Last last uh, <laughs> show it was Jeff McNeil. This time I foolishly said Peter Bosch. Um, but, uh, yeah, from minute one, played really well. Kind of reminded me of um, Dortmund, just how they kind of hit the ground running. Um, seemed like they hadn't just missed two months of football, which is pretty impressive considering they had, um, you know, missed two months of football. Um, but the passing was really quick, pretty incisive. Um, it was interesting that uh, Wolfsburg never really pressed for like the first half hour of the match. So it was just basically the uh, Leverkusen defenders just being able to pick out whoever they wanted. Um, <clears throat> and I don't know if there's a true... Did Bremen do any press being as they played? Rather than Wolfsburg. Great point. <laughs> Fantastic point. Still beginners. They were in green and have a W on. But yeah, no, that's, that's a good point. It's close enough. I think it's close enough. Thank you. And also, to be fair, Wolfsburg weren't pressing in the match either. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. So uh, I was surprised, though, that they weren't bothering to, to press at all. And John can correct me later if he would uh, so choose and if it's true. Um, but it really seemed like Leverkusen prefer to break the lines with passing rather than with like take-ons and dribbling and all that kind of schnazzy stuff, although that will come up later. Um, was really uh, pleased to see Sinkgraven doing so well. So uh, he played at Heerenveen, which is actually uh, near where uh, my Dutch section of the family is and supports. Um, so I actually heard of him before through that. And then somebody pointed out that also, you know, he was at Ajax, which probably should have been the connection, but there you go. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, I was just really pleased to see how everything was going. Um, even in the first 25 or so minutes, even though they hadn't really, um, scored yet. Well, they literally hadn't scored yet. Um, 
it just felt like it was probably going to come. Uh, and then Havertz got on the end of a cross in. Uh, and don't remember the player's name? Diaby, maybe? <laughs> anyway, I mentioned that it seemed like nobody was beating their man. Like in the first 10 to 15 minutes, I don't think a single person tried to dribble past the, the, the defender in front of him. Uh, and then all of a sudden he did um, and just pulled out a little skill to pe- get past this guy to send in the cross uh, to Havertz, who is much taller than I think I thought he was. <laughs> um, but anyway, so he scores. He also gets another header later. In fact, the first three goals were all headers, which was kind of crazy. The fourth one ended up being a chip over the keeper. Um, so uh, really enjoyed watching the match up until about 60 minutes. And then life pulled me away. And then I tried to watch the replay later. Uh, but apparently the channel to watch replays in the States is different than the channel to actually watch them. And I don't have access to the rewatch channel. So I don't know what happened in the last 30 minutes. But apparently there were two more goals. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, Kai Havertz was excellent, wasn't he, John? He's got to be one of the stars of the Bundesliga at the minute. Do you think he's going to stick around or get snapped up by a Premier League club or someone else? Yeah, you've got to think that he's going to be hot property going into the summer break, which won't be in the summer, but will <laughs> presumably still be called the summer break. Uh, he's a player who can do everything. And, and as Kevin said, an incredibly um, sort of tall player. He reminds me a lot, actually, of Dimitar Berbatov in a Ooh. lot of respects. Sort of Berbatov, but but maybe a bit more mobile even. Um, not, not that that's the hardest thing to be. But yeah, I think he's a, he's just a fantastic player. And just having a player who can drop back, he often sort of sat in the in the number 10 spot, dropped deep, picked up the ball and uh, and um, involved himself in the build-up. And um, to have a player of his, of his height, um, who can then go forward and and finish with his head so competently? It's just such a a boon for these for these teams. So it's such an exciting team of players. Literally every one of their midfield, anyone forward of their um, defence, I just think is a really exciting player. I have a lot of time for them. It's good to see Florian Verts, the new, the uh, the youngster, um, coming on. Seventeen uh, yeah, year old really didn't look right. seventeen. Yeah, it looks fantastic. Um, a play that they they snaffled up from Köln. Um, uh, apparently, the Köln and um, Leverkusen have an agreement not to steal one another's players. But um, Berx had a had a, a contract, I think, uh, already at Köln because obviously he's, a, he's an excellent player. And so they they um, they ended up going. But yeah, scary to think that he's 17. Um, and then Demir Bay um, had a had a fantastic game. Bellarabi came on and was fantastic as well. A lovely no look pass for for the uh, the final yeah. goal. Yeah, uh, just a really exciting team right? to watch. That, <laughs> that assist, yeah, it was really tidy. Also, uh, mentioning Havertz uh, as a lifelong Leverkusen fan for the last two weeks, um, <laughs> I didn't know that he had uh, been involved in the most goals in 2020. Mm, yeah, I think is it is it twenty goals? Yeah, something like that. I and can't then, remember. Was it Lewandowski mm. like eighteen? Of course, it's like two assists and sixteen goals. But Havertz is a little bit more even. And also seeing him play so uh, well up front kind of explained my Voland question until they just said he was hurt. So it'll be interesting to see uh, if he keeps playing up front when Voland comes back. But uh, did find that interesting. Yeah, it's funny because um, speaking of Florian Wirtz's, um debut, I actually was scrolling through my tweets to see what I said about Kai Havertz in the past and uh, found a tweet about um, Kai Havertz's debut in 2016 and said that he looked handy back then. So uh, that could be a it could be a bit of a uh, a prophecy for for Verx if he can go on and do, do the same sort of thing. Yeah. So if any so clubs is, are listening, <laughs> maybe maybe go in on Wirtz. 
John is the expert, <laughs> earning the money that we are not paying him at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> so this is our preview show, as luck would have it. We have an intrapod derby yeah. this weekend. Kev, as your boys take on Jim's boys. Yeah, I personally can't see a single way in which Mönchengladbach could even put up a fight against the mighty Leverkusen. Um, <laughs> but both talk. Yeah, talk, man, Kev. and and <laughs> backed up by nothing but facts. Um, but, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm obviously very pleased with how uh, our match went. You, at the time, seemed very pleased with uh, Mönchengladbach's performance that included that first-minute goal by Plie. Uh, I'll toss the hot potato to you. How are you feeling about this one in advance? <laughs> I'm pretty excited as a just a football fan for this game because it, I just can't see it's definitely going to be a nil-nil now I said this but like it just <laughs> seems like one of the most open games you're going to see like certainly this weekend and probably for most of the rest of the season as well like uh, obviously getting trying to get a bit more familiar with the mighty much and glad back since uh, adopting them as my team on the pod like they they just seem like box office every week so they haven't kept a clean sheet in eight games but they've also wow. scored in all of those eight games granted that does go back obviously pre-coronavirus and stuff but the trends are kind of that goals at both ends is kind of guaranteed when they play which bodes well um i was looking back because obviously these two teams have played uh once already this season and much and gladback did come out on top um, back in November, they won 2-1. So again, that kind of promises goals. And I was just just kind of lining up with what John said, really, about the um, the amount of attacking talent that Leverkusen have got in their team. Um, I think certainly from the one game of Much and Gladback that I've seen and looking at the stats and stuff, they certainly seem to be a similar um, outfit in terms of what you can say about their attacking output. Um, I found it interesting that although they score quite a lot of goals um, as Bundesliga teams go. Um, Plie is their top goal scorer, given that he scored last week, but he's only got nine for the season. So there's obviously goals all over the team. You know, there's plenty of people pitching in and neither team actually this weekend have, have got a player in double figures yet, but both seem more than capable of finding the back of the net. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited for what should hopefully be a high scoring shootout. And it, like I said, it will definitely be nil nil. Now I've said that, but <laughs> a nil nil in front of no fans is going to be a pretty <laughs> awful watch, but it's a, t- it's one of the two thirty games in the UK. So if it's rubbish, then you can always watch the goal show or something else. I guess there's going to be other games <laughs> on at the same time. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm stoked for the th- the inevitable three, three draw. That's going to come about. <laughs> if it ends up being a nil, nil, do you think we'll see the support staff leaving? And then the other side in German singing, we can see you sneaking out. <laughs> I mean, maybe <laughs> you'll certainly be able to hear them singing it. If they are singing <laughs> it, because you can hear everything. It's true. Just imagine that visual. It'd be great. <laughs> um, yeah, you mentioned, uh, that uh, le- uh, not Leverkusen. That's the team I like. The team I hate, uh, <laughs> Marcia Gladbach. Um, uh, I think Sommer leads the league in saves, so that that'll keep things interesting. Maybe. Also, you brought up uh, that plays your leading goal scorer with just nine, and actually the scoring chart looks a little weird. And I was just wondering, John, if this is like par for the course. So Lewandowski twenty six, Timo Werner twenty one. Nobody else above fifteen. There are only four players above 12. Is that usually the case where the goals just seem to be kind of spread throughout all of the teams? 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Well, I mean, Lewandowski and Werner do tend to be towards the top of that table. Um, so that, that, they that's are the continuity good. there. Mm, yeah. Uh, other than that, yeah, I think, I mean, both of these teams, it feels as though they are very midfieldy attacks. Um, so we saw with with Gladbach uh, player um, sort of taking up the the forward berth, but there's a lot of interchangeability between Mbolo, Taram, uh, and player, um, and it it feels as though a lot of what what it is that Marco Rosa is doing is is trying to get his his team to be quite free as an attacking team, and we know that Peter Bosch uh, does does similar. We saw his Ajax team playing in a similar way as well. Um, yeah, Leverkusen as well. You know, Havertz nominally as a forward but um interchanging a lot you've got Musa Diaby um and uh Nadi Mamiri as well all of those players can interchange move around and it doesn't feel as though um those those uh teams necessarily have uh, a dedicated striker obviously the teams further down the league do tend to have um like forward forward men target men um but obviously those teams tend to be less uh, high scoring so i think it's um probably just a a bit of um, an outlier this season but mm. yeah it, it's going to be interesting to see how uh, the the season ends up looking um with the with the goal shared around amongst teams like this gotcha well um as we all know uh leverkusen have the third most goals from open play outside of just uh bayern munich and Borussia dortmund so i'm i'm backing leverkusen heavy it's it's an easy <laughs> 3-1 for me I like how the uh, avoiding the stats lasted for uh, two episodes. Yeah, I can't do it, man. <laughs> no it it uh, it was eating into my soul. <laughs> Brilliant. Ke- Kev knows how to use Wikipedia, so that's <laughs> <excellent>. <laughs> um, that looks like one of the the big games this weekend. But the action starts on Friday night. Friday night football. Well, not night, depending on where you are in the world. Night Germany. Um, John the Berlin Derby. Earth of the Union. What can you tell us about the importance of this game? Yeah, it's a fascinating matchup. Um, it's actually the second Bundesliga Berlin derby um, in history. There was someone did point out to me today that there is a, a little-known derby that took place between, I think, Hertha and then a, a club called Tennis Borussia uh, back in the day. But um, we'll ignore that for the time being. But yeah, the the, the first match matchup between Hertha and Union this season was the first 
um, official derby between those two teams. Um, obviously, Union Berlin have picked up a lot of fans. They're, they're quite a leftist club, quite an interesting club. Um, and Berlin's just a fascinating city insofar as, obviously, for years, I mean, the Bundesliga has only been around since the 60s, but the, through the years, um, through those years, the majority of the time, uh, Berlin was was a, a split city, east and west. Um, the Soviets controlled um, East Berlin and, and West Berlin was a sort of outlier for for um, West Germany in in East Germany, and so what's happened there is you've got one of the biggest cities in Europe that just doesn't really didn't really have a, a Bundesliga team that could get ahead because of the difficulties in logistics and getting teams out there. So yeah, quite an exciting um, uh, little bit of back history to to make the game um, more interesting. But um, Hertha Berlin have, have got a bit of a reputation for being um, a bit of a joke club. Um, and and the, there's been various things that have happened through this season which have have sort of uh, nailed that down for them. They had Jurgen Klinsmann there for a bit, um, and then he left um, after a few games. And yeah, various various things like that happening. And then Union, uh, just a great um, the way that I've heard it described is that Union is it's sort of like what Man City used to be in Manchester. So it used to be that if you were from Manchester, you would support City. And then if you were from the sort of surrounding area, you would support uh, United. And I think the same is true in, in Berlin. You tend to be an Union fan if you live in the city and if you live in the surrounding area, because Berlin is a, a city state. So that there is a lot of surrounding area. You tend to follow Hertha. Um, but yeah, they've got a wonderful stadium with three sides where it's uh, standing terraces. So great atmosphere there, which obviously <laughs> won't be the case case uh this this weekend but um yeah a lot to look forward to it should be a quite a fun game especially for a friday night fixture like a, a nice sort of side game for, for everyone to enjoy before the rest of the games kick off wasn't that great we had a little history lesson in the middle there i was terrible I enjoyed that. That school, was good. So i feel like i've really learned something you've got all three <laughs> clowns who don't know what teams our teams are playing <laughs> get all the names wrong and then john mckenzie shows us all up <laughs> two by being far too much of an expert about everything. Uh, thanks, John. I did have <laughs> one more question to annoy you with. Um, just because you mentioned in the middle there that the previous Berlin club was also a Borussia, which we also know for Dortmund and Mönchengladbach. What what does that mean? So Borussia, Borussia means Prussian, I believe. Uh, mm. I think it's dialect for Prussian. I could check that while we're talking uh, about something else. Next, no, I just think, to make sure I think we'll true. just believe you. <laughs> Always good podcasting where you just talk rubbish for a bit while someone checks some actual information. <laughs> so I, don't, I don't think we'll bother doing that. That could be the tagline for this entire podcast series, to be fair. <laughs> which one someone fact checks us behind the scenes. Exactly. You're an expert yeah, um... until someone checks you out, right? That's how it works. So if we just don't check <laughs> it out, then I will just remain an expert. Love it. Personally, I've, I've had enough of experts anyway. So. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Jim, let's bring you back in this weekend. Same as last weekend, actually. Dortmund played before Bayern, so touching on the title race. Do you think that's significant at all? Dortmund were away at Wolfsburg, Bayern at home to Eintracht Frankfurt, both on Saturday. I mean, I guess there's a theoretical advantage in the sense that if you're the chasing team, as Dortmund are, that you want to play um, before, if you can, um, because it, uh, there's some element of pressure there, like, being as they're only four points behind, they can theoretically close the gap to a point until uh, Bayern play like they did last week. Not that it seemed to affect Bayern too much, as we spoke about on the last part. They did kind of grind it out 2-0. Um, but I think I certainly think if you were you were Dortmund in that situation, you'd want to play first, especially the way they've hit the ground running. Like You've got a chance to um, lay down a real marker 
uh, this weekend, just like they did uh, last week against Schalke, and and kind of put the pressure on and just see how Munich Bayern kind of deal with that because it's it's one of those weird dynamics where it shouldn't matter, but sometimes I guess especially towards the last seven eight weeks of the season, where if it is super tight. Um, funny things can happen under pressure. Not that Bayern seem to be affected by pressure that much <laughs> at all ever in the in the Bundesliga, but they always seem to have it have it in hand, even if they're from a kind of relatively impossible position that they have been the last couple of seasons, where they've started badly and then just pulled away at the end. But yeah, I think for the I mean for the sake of the league, we we want a, a close title race, right? So it would be good to see Dortmund pick up some points and and Bayern drop them. But whether or not it's this weekend or not, I'm not sure. Yeah, Leipzig, the, the third team in the... Well, they're actually below Gladbach after... Yes, I was going to say, weekend. props to the yeah. mighty Mighty Gladbach after last the podcast hasn't even looked at the title at the table even, so that's positive. Leipzig are away at Mainz on Sunday, the middle game. Uh, Bayern against Eintracht, of course, used to be the Nico Kovac derby. Not anymore. Don't know why I bothered telling you that. Not remotely relevant anymore. Uh, my Iceberg boys also... Now who used Wikipedia? <laughs> <laughs> I know who Nico Kovac is, just about. He's over the hair. Bye, Augsburg boys. Way to Schalke. That's the early kickoff on Sunday. Don't really have anything to say about the game. Augsburg will probably lose because they always seem to lose, but Schalke were rubbish last weekend, so something interesting might happen in that game. But speaking of Schalke, and look who's worked out in advance what his link is going to be. Um, today saw the news that Manuel Neuer has signed a new Bayern Munich contract. And we mentioned this on the, the show before, John, but Schalke's goalkeeper, Alexander Nubel, is going to buy in at the end of the season. Does this not seem like a, a bit of a strange move that they've lined up the successor to Neuer and then given Neuer a new contract? Yeah, so the, the complication here goes back to Neuer's ankle injury a couple of seasons ago where they brought in Sven Ulreich as a, as a replacement and spent a fair amount of money on his contract in order to do that. Um, and so they've what's happened is, is that in the interim, Neuer's come back and his um, his injury has healed a lot better than than people expected. And so what they've ended up with really is is um, a goalkeeper who um, is playing as, as a second string goalkeeper and is is probably being paid about as much as you might expect a first string goalkeeper to be paid. Add to that the um, the addition of Alexander Nubel, who is a, a prospect for the future. I think the expectation is that he will go on to be the Germany number one. Um, and so what you've got then is Bayern just wanting to make sure that they keep the German number one at Bayern. Um, but Sven Ulreich um, actually throws a bit of a spanner in the works there. I think what will actually end up happening is that Ulreich will be moved on because I think the the, the understanding is that his contract is too high for a second string keeper. Um, and then Nubel will be used slowly to, to replace Neuer, but I was speaking to a, a friend of mine who is a, a goalkeeping expert in, and particularly focuses on the Bundesliga, and, and he was saying uh, Neuer probably has a good couple of years left in him uh, as, it, as it is, and so it could be um, a couple of years on the bench for Nubel. It, it reminds me, uh, and I don't want to use the show to go on about the Premier League because it's not a Premier League show, but Kevin, it kind of reminds me of the situation that we've had at Burnley the last couple of years mm, where yeah, yeah. we had all the goalkeepers and no cover in various other positions. But at one point we had Tom Heaton, Nick Pope and Joe Hart because we'd signed Joe Hart to cover injuries and then everyone was hit at the same time. It was like, oh, we've got three goalkeepers. Is it not going to be a similar sort of situation at Bayern? Obviously, 
you can only play one goalkeeper. That's some expertise well, for you that I didn't even need Wikipedia. I think you technically could do two. Just uh, not both in goal. <laughs> just just play Neuer in midfield where he always ends up standing anyway. <laughs> I'm just disgusted that you didn't mention Bailey Peacock Farrell of all the, all the keepers to forget. Well, exactly. Northern Ireland's finest. How could you possibly forget Bailey Peacock Farrell apart from the fact that I just did? <laughs> Yeah, I think it's a, it's an interesting one, isn't it? But I, I suppose what they're what they're doing is thinking for the future, but also having already thought for the future for last season, and so they've they've sort of ended up with a bit too many. But I, I suspect Ulreich was was questionable when he came in. I think people were a little bit unsure about him, but he then went on to actually be fairly fairly good cover. So I, I suspect they'll be able to move him on quite comfortably. There'll be a club out there who will, who will pick him up. So I think that's probably the solution to it. Um, and yeah, I, I I don't know what else you can do. But I mean, if Nubel was thinking of moving on, Schalke are looking for a decent keeper. So, <laughs> yeah, how awkward Schalke. does that does that have to be at Schalke? You mentioned on the last show, or maybe two ago, um, that this that's going to get harder the more we do. Um, that, um, uh, he had been yeah. benched and stripped of club captaincy at Schalke, and now Schalke are losing a club captain and their best goalkeeper to go be second or third choice at Bayern Munich. Uh, you can't mm-hmm. imagine they're happy with that. But from the outside looking in to the league on the whole, that seems like kind of a Bayern-y thing to do. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot of people who argue about whether or not Bayern actually do that. But, you know, w- what they do do for sure is buy the best players in the league. Uh, they may not buy all of the players in the league, but they, they certainly do do their best to get the, the, the prominent uh, up and coming players. So I think it's just a case of that. And uh, maybe they've they've uh, they, the timing on things is upset for them, but they'll I'm sure they'll sort it out. And if any club can afford to overpay on someone's contract for a third choice goalkeeper, it's going to be Bayern. <laughs> Yeah, just to bring it back to Neuer himself, Jim. Obviously, there's been a lot of debate over him and his position over the course of the last few years. When he had that that bad injury, he was out for a long time. In terms of the Germany team, a lot of talk about Marc Andre to Stegen at Barcelona. Is it time that he got to go? If you're Manuel Neuer, though, this is a massive show of faith in your continued ability, even though he's starting to knock on a bit. Yeah, I think he probably he's the. Um, He's the poster boy for like the modern goalkeeping style, even though he's advancing in years. He was kind of he was one of the frontiers of the whole passing it out from the back and being good with your feet um, as well as good with your hands from a goalkeeping perspective. And I guess that's kind of served him well, you know, the way he's been able to do that, both as, as Germany number one for a, a long time and obviously a crucial part of the, the World Cup win in, in 2014. And then at Bayern where... For the most part, they've won pretty much everything um, domestically. Um, he he's just, I guess, it's quite difficult to displace him now if he's fit and like the fact that he's just come back from that injury, as you said, a lot more quickly and probably a lot more effectively than a lot of people suggested. If you're a buy-in kind of team executive, you you don't want to get rid of him just because you'd lined up a potential successor or two. Like he's still, I, I mean, John would be able to tell me he's seen more of the, the other two guys, but I, it sounds like one is a, a, a stopgap replacement, albeit quite a good one in Ulrich. And then the the newer signing is going to be the future. So you don't want to necessarily ditch your, your first choice and best goal. Well, you're still one of the best goalkeepers in the world, probably, um, despite his advancing years. So I guess it's just a case of him maybe being phased out and, John, would they go down like the Manchester City route or Manchester United as well do this, where they play 
a different goalkeeper in the cup competitions, maybe in Europe in the group stage, just to kind of bed him in a little bit into the first team and get him some experience rather than literally two two years carrying the water bottles and putting the cones out. Yeah, I'm not sure, actually. Um, it's not something that I've seen happen. Um, and you've got to remember that throwing, again, another spanner thrown into the works is that um, Manuel Neuer is, <laughs> I think, fully aware of how good he is a goal, as a goalkeeper and, and in many respects is able to get the rule of the roost at Bayern a little bit. So it will depend on how he would feel about that as well. Um, so, yeah, I guess it's a possibility, but it, 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 I think it's just a smart move from them and um, in terms of picking up the, the, probably the future German number one. And uh, I suppose it's a smart move from Nubel in the sense that he will be guaranteed to sort of uh, slot right in after Neuer goes out. So it will just be a case of being able to balance off all of those competing interests, I suppose. I suppose for more casual fans, though, Kev, think about Neuer, they'll look back at the last World Cup when he was a bit of a shambles at the time, wasn't he? And it looked like he was going to be on the way out yeah. at that point. Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, for a couple of years now, we all kind of thought the decline was coming. Um, but he seems to just have held on to his position both at Bayern and uh, for the German national team, much to Ter Stegen's dismay. Um, but as Jim said, it, it he should be credited as kind of like the beginning of this kind of goalkeeper generation that's led to the likes of Allison and Ederson becoming the two most expensive goalkeepers in the world. And leading that kind of distribution-based goalkeeping. Although, uh, I forget who it was on our Premier League show, said at a certain point we're going to cross that nexus of, like, shouldn't they also be able to stop shots? Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I'd certainly agree that it kind of felt like that downturn was coming and that maybe we had already seen the first glimpses of it. But pretty impressive that he's been able to kind of maintain his positions for both club and country still. Yeah, and he's not that old for a goalkeeper. What is he, 34 or something? So potentially go on he's had a while. fair amount of injuries though right yeah, yeah he's he, pretty injury prone isn't he goalkeepers go i think that's fair to say uh, uh coming towards the end of the show now but we had a, an interesting tweet since since the last show yeah it must be since the last show otherwise why would i bring it up um h14 wrote <laughs> in and said what i learned at the weekend was how much more effective pressing a home crowd does on a home defender in possession than any attacker ever manages that makes sense. The whole hmm. crowd. Yeah. So the impact of the crowd, I think we've mentioned a bit on the show, but Kevin, is that something you've noticed over the the action so far? That players got more time on the ball, like that sort of impact of the crowd that we've not really thought about. Yeah, it's a really interesting point. Um, you would definitely hear a lot of crowd noise. I know one of the commentators on one of the matches I was watching was uh, talking about how e- even if a team was losing, your fans still kind of get on you and maybe. Up you up, even though the rest of the crowd would still all be chanting and enjoying the fact that the home team was winning and such. But yeah, I definitely think like the lack of shouts is probably affecting some players on the pitch. I also think it's probably affecting refereeing decisions. Um, when you get kind of questionable calls that seem to favor the home team, a lot of times it's because the the crowd really get on the referee's back and then they kind of get pushed into a call. Um, having more time on the ball, I definitely felt like the case in the Leverkusen match where uh, very rarely were, was the defense pressured when they were in possession. Um, so, yeah, I, I think there might be something to it. What about you, John? Do you think this is something you've spotted so far? It's obviously putting you on the spot a bit in its limited sample size, but um, just looking at the results, home advantage mm-hmm. didn't really seem to be a thing last weekend, did it? 
Yeah, there's a really good piece actually in The Athletic by Tom Warville, one of their analytics writers, and he was looking at just the the, the change in tenor of the games. Um, so essentially, the, a, lot, a lot of the games had the ball in play much more than they might normally have in play. Um, and there's suspicions about whether or not that was to do with the fact that there was less drama in between decisions by referees, because um, obviously there's you, you don't have quite so much... Um, I guess repartee between the crowd and the and the players egging one another other on, uh, but there's also as, and as a result of that it meant that the, the, the ball with the ball being in play it just meant that the players were getting a little bit more tired, um, and again that that sort of impacts the pace of the game because some teams might uh, try and mon- moder- moderate their pace um, a little bit more because um, if you're not getting breaks in play to to get a breather then you have to do that by possessing the ball or or sitting back um, one way or the other. Uh, and so there is some really interesting um, data out there already. I mean, obviously, like you said, it's a small sample size. Um, but I think the, the biggest example, I think, is, is, the, is the Freiburg-Leipzig game because Leipzig were the home team there. Um, and that was, was an upset. Um, but I, I would say that Leipzig have been caused problems by Freiburg a bit as well. So I think we'll have to wait a few more weeks before we can start saying anything definitive. But there's definitely something in the fact that the pace of play changes because um, it's sort of treated a little bit more like a training game just because the crowd are there to, to egg you on and uh, to respond to things that are happening. It's really interesting about the, the time the ball's been in play. I was expecting like long delays every time the ball went into the stand, like a player having to climb up Eric Dyer style, looking like he's going to try and beat some <laughs> up going to the, That's my brother. Ball. <laughs> but luckily we've uh, been spared that so far just looking at the results from last weekend though Jim just the one home win unless I'm being really sick and I've missed one Dortmund beating Schalke um, obviously we'll see more in the games to come but kind of looks like this is going to be a trend isn't it where home advantage maybe just isn't that much of an advantage because there's no fans there yeah like, I mean coming from it from a, a bookmaking kind of betting background as I do you kind of tend to wonder how much because obviously when when bookmakers price games up they do add some element of home advantage it's probably not as much as most people would think like it's a fraction of a goal in the the home team's advantage given that they're playing in familiar surroundings with a crowd that could be on their side and like you say the the marginal kind of 50-50 refereeing decisions more likely to go in their way if you've got 30,000 people or more kind of baying for the ref's blood if he gets it the other the other way around um I was looking at for this week like there's literally at the moment, there's only two odds on favourites on the coupon, which implies they should win more than 50% of the time. So it will be really interesting. And one of those is obviously buying at home to Frankfurt, um, who are very, very short. And the other one is a marginal one with um, Cole at home to Dusseldorf. So it's it, it could easily be the case again, to be honest, that home advantage doesn't really play a part in that. Um, because of, uh, uh, and maybe that's already being impacted in the way kind of um, people are looking at these games. And if they're not giving as much home advantage, then it's giving the, you know, in theory, in terms of like um, the expected percentages of these results, it's certainly giving the away teams a lot more kind of opportunity and chance on the the, the perceived winning percentage anyway um, than they would. As, as we've said, it's a small sample size, but it would certainly be interesting. I think there's certainly enough in, in eight or nine match days um, th- from the kind of resumption of the season till the conclusion, in theory, if it carries on, and we all hope it does, obviously, um, to, to kind of read into that because it would be a kind of, 
new experiment. We've never had a major league played behind closed doors for so long before. So I think it would be really interesting just to see how that does affect stuff because you've obviously got a big sample of games before this as well. So yeah, I think you'd be able to draw some pretty significant conclusions if it was the fact that, you know, home teams were really, really struggling compared to the results that you'd normally expect based on on their their performances before that as well. Yeah, I was already yeah. um, leaping to some unnecessary conclusions based on that one stat uh, that you mentioned earlier. And a- another thought I had was another advantage of being the home team is that in theory you'd be able to be in home a lot more. But aren't all the players staying in team hotels and stuff right now? So like maybe that aspect as well of like the personal side of like being able to just like go home and see your family or kids or whatever versus still just being quarantined somewhere might might remove that like kind of personal motivation and or pre-match relaxation as well i think that don't quote me on this but i think that the players are allowed to see their families in between but they do go through a quarantining process over the weekend when the games are on um nothing says quality time like pre-match quarantine (laughs) exactly yeah (laughs) <laughs> but I guess the, the, there could be an opposite effect as well, right? Insofar as if you are quarantining in a hotel a couple of days before the game, then you're going to get better sleep potentially than you would if you were at home, especially if you have young kids. So I, I, I suspect that could be oh. the, the case as well. But um, yeah, it will be will be interesting to see how this this all plays out. There's so much of the I really recommend people go and read the Tom Warble piece because there's so much interesting um, angling on that. The, this notion of of the way that the game is so dependent upon the structures in under which it's played that when those structures have gone and everything's changed um suddenly we're, we're talking about a completely different beast in terms of the game itself yeah well um i'll tell you what we'll do we'll tweet that article out so that if anyone is interested in reading all about it even though john's just given away major major spoilers for it <laughs> <laughs> if you are an athletic subscriber you can have a look at that thanks again to age 40 for that observation i think this is a subject that we'll come back to and look at again in a few weeks, the the impact of home advantage. I think some of the league suits have talked about earning the right to have another match day with the old COVID situation, and hopefully we're going to continue earning the right to do more Bundesliga podcasts. So Ooh. with that in mind, if you do have any feedback, um, questions, comments, etc., about the podcast, at Bundesliga Pod, it's a place to find us on Twitter. I still haven't spent five minutes learning how podcast subscribing work so again kev is gonna have to explain it and again i'll pretend to listen and understand (laughs) (laughs) great so uh, yeah you can subscribe via itunes or spotify uh of course we also tweeted out um from the epl index channel we also tweeted out from the bundesliga pod channel which is this actual one so if you have a great question like that one and you want to hear it kind of launch more discussions amongst us uh so that you can listen to it and be like hey that was my question <laughs> tweet us at bundesliga pod uh and yeah also uh, sometimes comes out from EPL Roundtable. Maybe we should narrow that down. Maybe, maybe the issue with you remembering isn't your memory. Maybe it's a little too confusing. Well, we'll sort that out. But follow EPL Roundtable, EPL Index, and Bundesliga Pod, and it'll come out from one of those. Yeah, I mean, I'm more than happy for nation since that makes me sound much more professional than I am. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about Twitter accounts. Um, I've actually got these in front of me, so the guys don't have to read out their own Twitter accounts. Ooh. I'm at Jamieson Sports. Kev is at Kevrov, Jim is at Jim Knight Tweet, and John is at John underscore McKenzie with the old punctuation there. But that's it for this show. Um, haven't discussed when we're going to do the next one, but I think we'll try and squeeze one out before 
the midweek round that's coming up because that's Dortmund be Bayern. So hopefully we'll have a show for you before then. But yeah, get in touch. Any questions, comments, feedback. For now, that's our show. Thanks for listening to Bundesliga for Beginners. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide.